Welcome to the Gridiron Crew podcast, an NFL podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. This is the News Crew, and I'm your host, Keith McGinty. It's a quiet week in the world of the NFL, well, apart from more players being suspended due to betting. A raft of redundancy is at ESPN, and news of a cancer sufferer in remission. It's a good wee bit of news we'll get to soon. To talk ball, I'm joined by some of the frightness crew members that we've got. Dan, uh, a resident cowboy. Dan, how are we? Yeah, all good. I think this is my third week in a row, so I'm do a hat-trick ball for this. Yeah, we've one of the wee coins. It's like, it's like, hey, hey, this is, this is therapy <laughs> for you, buddy. Yeah, all good. Looking forward to getting uh, stuck into all the stuff I've got planned this week. Fantastic. You've been off on a holiday? No, no, yeah. Nothing. I was away at the start of June, but I think everybody else has been on holiday. That's how I managed to get three in a row. One guy who's got suntanned and interesting is Gav. Gav, welcome back. How are we? Thanks very much. Yeah, so I've, I've been away. I'm just uh, back from Portugal and uh, Lisbon uh, for last week. So, yeah, um, obviously it's podcast number two for me. So, uh, yeah, just trying to catch up even Dan's streak there. But, um, yeah, good to be back and um, get a nice, uh, well, supposedly a, a quiet week for the 4th of July weekend. But, um, yeah, plenty to talk about all the same. Of course, of course. A very belated happy 4th of July to all of our American listener. Um, I hope everybody had a great time over there. Um, Americans are all right, but really the, the main celebration in North America, of course, is Canada Day. And uh, Captain Canada himself, Stu, joins us this week. Hi, Stu, how are we? I'm doing really well. How are you, Keith? I'm great, Muddy. I'm great. Thanks for asking. See, see how he asked it. Right. Uh, aye, <laughs> terrific, buddy. Terrific. Um, how was your Canada Day? Did you do anything special for the holidays? Uh, yeah, we were. My mum and dad are over from Scotland just now, so we've been doing kind of lots with them over the last kind of month. Um, they're actually going home this weekend, so that's flown in. Uh, but last week we were off to Sylvan Lake, which is kind of like a bit of a beach resort in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Anyone from here will be able to tell you lots about it. So uh, if anybody wants to comment that's maybe from Alberta and listening, uh, feel free to chime in. But we, we had a great time there with the family. The kids loved it. And then uh, we're back in Edmonton for Saturday, which was Canada Day. And uh, we just had some friends over, had a barbecue, uh, ate some maple syrup on the pancakes for breakfast, <laughs> went to the fireworks at night and uh, just had a good time kind of thing. So it's, it's been a nice relaxing weekend. Fantastic. And did your mum and dad bring over like square sausage and Kelly pies for you? No, they can't they can't smuggle that over. But the one thing we always make them bring over is uh, like uh, Scottish blend tea bags. Because the oh, tea yeah. over here is absolutely rank. And I don't know what it, even when you import it, it's strange because I know even like in Britain or whatever, like a lot of tea bags we get imported as well. Like uh, but yeah. for whatever reason, everything's just always just tastes a little bit stale. So getting those like Scottish blend tea bags brought over in massive boxes, they basically dedicate one case to it. Um right. that sorts us out, but we've almost ran out of the tea bags that they brought over already, <laughs> even though it was like a thousand or something like that. But yeah, they've been here for a <laughs> month. <laughs> Listen, you can blame the Americans for that. They started all the tea palaver a while ago. Um, excellent, excellent. Glad to hear everyone's well. I'm in the missing my summer holidays just now. I went out for a wee round of golf by myself, so I'm even more like sunburnt than usual. The sun was out for a full five minutes. I'm going to have a big like, white band round here for my massive shades. Uh, try to keep me keep me shaded. Um, uh, enjoying it. Uh, having a wee bit of time with the the boys and with Claire. So, uh, it's been great so far. So. Nice and relaxed, but ah, 
try and get a couple of wee days up the west coast or something during the, the holidays and I've got my 11th wedding anniversary to look forward to this Friday so 11 years already terrific. Wow. 11 years yeah absolutely flown in flown in um, let's get started let's get down to what we're here to talk about here we'll start with our kickoff question and I think it was, uh, it was one of you guys suggested this I loved it um which WWE superstars would you compare to some of the great names of the NFL over the years? Um, who was it brought this up? Gav, was this 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 your brainchild? I think this I think this one is maybe Dan's, but um, certainly yeah. um, I'd seen quite uh, I suppose the, the flip side on it. So um, WWE actually put out their own list of um, uh, who they thought were the biggest heels in in pro sports generally. Uh, uh, recently, right. so um, number one in their list was was Aaron Rodgers, um, which uh, <laughs> may, may not be surprising to a lot of people. But they they didn't do their their comps um, to, to who they thought would be, um, I guess, the, the WWE match for them. So I, I actually thought I'd maybe try and uh, pair off um, the, the Jets' new QB um, with the, the WWE superstar. And um, I think for me, um, I'm going with Triple H. Um, so we've got a guy who, I mean, obviously played face and heel um, throughout his career, but I think everyone, all the fans know him as, as being a heel. And um, I, I guess, you know, he's the game. Aaron Rodgers, you know, unbelievably talented QB, um, but also overshadowed perhaps by others, um, much like Triple H has been. Um so yeah, I think uh, that that's what I'm going to go with. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Triple H. I think Dan. I think Dan. It was you that came up with this. What are you going for? So I'm not going to go for a particular player. I'm going to go for an owner, and it's got to be Jerry Jones, and he's got to be Vince McMahon, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's got the ego. He runs the biggest franchise. He thinks he's the man. Nobody can say no to him. I think uh, Jerry Jones and Vince McMahon are a, a match made in heaven. I think. Uh, I think that's a good shout. I would be going for, for myself, I think I'd be going for um, what, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. Bray Wyatt, um, the Fiend, I'm, I'd go for him because it's just all the, the mental torture that he puts his opponents through. So that would have to be Bill Belichick. Absolutely have to be <laughs> Bill, Bill there. I like it. What be you, Stu? Um, I said, I'd, well, I warned you guys before the show, I, I'm not going to try and make it too much of a downer, but as soon as you said, like, <laughs> um, you know, players like past, present as uh, wrestlers, the first person that came to my mind, because I'm a Bengals fan, was Brian Pillman. I don't know if you guys remember Brian Pillman. Yeah. No. Um, so he's he was actually, uh, he was a NFL player kind of thing, or he was undrafted, but he signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. That was like his hometown team. Um, And he played with them for a year and then ended up playing in the CFL. And the last team he played for was the Calgary Stampeders. That was in 1986. And then from there, he met Stu Hart and trained in the dungeon. Um, and that's how he got any wrestling kind of thing from there because he saw that his football career maybe wasn't going to go anywhere and he, you know he tried really hard kind of thing and all that and uh, so anywho ended up in wrestling had a kind of great career there was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's tag partner back in the day the two of them if you was that when he was was it handsome or something like that yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Stunning, I forget, I forget, stunning yeah, Steve yeah. Austin. Stunning yeah. Steve Austin, that was it. Yeah, stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. So they were really good friends and all that. And then I don't know if you remember, like before the end, he had that whole whole angle that kind of sort of led to the start of the Attitude era. And it was a storyline involving Steve Austin coming to his house with a gun. And all that was when like WWF yes. went, well, yeah. we're now becoming adult. Kind of thing. It was just like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was just this kind of thing of Stone Cold Steve Austin was trying to break in. They were filming this angle at Brian Pillman's house. And if, I think the funniest thing about the story was I, I watched like an interview recently with uh, Brian Pillman's daughter. And she was talking about how she was in her bed that night and had no idea. It was just like a <laughs> spur of the moment thing. They decided to do it. She had no idea. And all of a sudden, she's just hearing all the screaming of like, oh, he's trying to break in. He's got a gun. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically her like uncle uh, Steve Austin <laughs> was down the stairs and uh, you know the mother kind of goes up the stairs and was like no 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 it's alright it's just uh, they're filming it kind of thing because she was genuinely freaked out about this but yeah Brian Pillman um, by all accounts he was a stand up guy but uh, sadly died uh, it was uh, I think about a year after that um, and it was a, a genetic undiagnosed genetic heart condition Easy. thing that he went um, so it's a shame for him but yeah he, he was a, a Bengal for a bit as well so that's why he just immediately jumped into my brain and also watching that documentary maybe if, I don't know about like, to get the CFL. And the CFL. <laughs> everybody everybody tends to do bingos that's it they've ticked off uh, uh, CFL it's ticked off the bingos and wrestling just need a wee bit of the hobbit in there I'm not sure uh, any <laughs> other ones guys did we have any other ones Dan did you have any, uh, any more uh, no, I was kind of. I knew as soon as we got with the topic that I was going all in on Jerry Jones. That was uh, I didn't nice, look at anything nice. else. I was saying the Ted DBRC as well. Million dollar man for Rogers. Man. The <laughs> Rogers, no Rogers. I was actually go for Ric Flair, Nature Boy, because he likes being a loud mouth as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what about what about the Undertaker for? Uh, I mean, I guess he kind of talks about a bit big, but I was going to say Miles Garrett, maybe the Undertaker or <laughs> someone like that, just because he kind of mows down people all the time. And... Uh, that's a good... Oh, that's yeah, a good I think we've actually got a couple of wrestlers who were players that we've not really discussed. So Brock Lesnar, obviously, was a... Yeah, Roman, Roman Reigns was a, yeah. an Ed, Edmund Elk. Was he? Yeah, yeah. The and they had him... They had him come back actually to host uh, last season. Um, Roman Reigns was like the kind of guest of honor and did like the uh, they have like a kind of wind up thing before the kickoff. So Roman Reigns mm-hmm. came and did that in Edmonton. Yeah, the Rock was it was it University of Florida the Rock played was it? Uh, yep, yeah, it was uh, University of Miami. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hurricanes because yeah. I think they yeah. won the, the I think they, they were national champions when the Rock was yeah. there. Um, but of course that's. That's the Rock's whole story is that he didn't make it in the NFL and, in fact, didn't make it in the, the CFL either. Yep. Um, and, but he I think just that's, bought his own league. Well, that's, <laughs> that, that, yeah, bought his own league, but, and that's the, the whole play with the, the XFL is trying to give these guys who are not quite on the, the cusp of the NFL an opportunity mm-hmm. to, to keep playing. Of course, he's um, been the owner of the Air League. He's been a, an agent as well for ballers, if you remember watching that. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> that <was> a class show. <laughs> <laughs> um, fantastic. Good, good. Well, let's move on to some of the, the main talking points in the, the news this week. So it's a pretty quiet week, so we've got a wee bit of a, a new feature that we're going to look into at the end of this. Let's start with a wee bit of happy news. Um, Foster Moreau of the... Uh, Foster Moreau has... Um, 
Saints. I knew it was a, it was a one of the two. Um, he has been put into remission from cancer, which is fantastic news. It was it didn't seem that long ago that um, he came out with the the news that he he was battling it. Um, but it's fantastic bit of news. Hopefully, it'll just continue to go from strength to strength and. If we can get his strength back up and hopefully see him at some point this season, but it's it's great that the Saints have taken him on. Um, hi, a lovely bit of news there. Dan, next bit of news that we have is Buddha Baker, um, of the Cardinals. He's been the professional. He's still turning up to training, but he's not happy. He's looking for a fair deal. Um, can you give us a wee bit more information on this, please? Yeah, so reading reading the news, and he's he's turned around and said he wants paid better, but he doesn't want to be. He's not expected to be the top paid safety in the league. So yeah, and looking at the topic, I had a quick look at the players who are in the league are getting paid more than him. So he's the seventh highest paid safety in the league. So if he's not wanting to be one of the top paid ones, where does he see himself <laughs> sitting? Do you know what I mean? Like you're already seventh highest paid. So I'll quickly run through without going into too much detail. So. Number one's Derwin James at the Charger, who's get averaging 19 million a year. Minka Fitzpatrick's getting 18.2. Jamal Adams is getting 17.5. Jesse Bates is getting 16. Harrison Smith's getting 16. And John Simmons is getting sorry, Justin Simmons is getting 15.2. Baker's coming with 14.75 average a year. So where does he see himself in that bracket? Does he want to go up a million? Does he want to go up two million? Because he's only 4.25 million behind the number one paid. Safety in the league each year, so where does he want to be? Is what I would ask the question of. I mean, looking at it uh, from my side, I would say, is he better than Jesse Bates? I'm going to be biased and say no. Um, <laughs> so probably roundabout there, though. I, I would say he probably what you know. I imagine that he's going to ask for two million extra, like you said. And probably if I'm Arizona, I'm probably going to go back and go like, well, okay, well you said you want to be, you know, you're not going to be the top paid guy so here's mm-hmm. an, an extra million you know how does yeah. that suit you kind of thing you'll probably say sure is he better Unless than harrison smith i don't know if he is i don't think he is because so i mean what age is buddha baker now as well because that's our thing too is like i imagine he's going to start declining because i mean jesse bates he's just signed that deal but he's kind of hitting the prime of his career yeah 27 so and well maybe the other thing to factor in there, Stu, is he has two years left in his contract. So actually thinking, well, by the time he's coming up to renewal, he's 29. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, what, what, what's your value look, looking like in two years' time? So try and get that deal signed now. Yeah. Try and get a bit more money while your stock's high. Yeah, that's yeah. why he wants paid now, because he knows his next contract's not going to be... Oh yeah, he's getting his his next contract. You would expect would be more along the lines of sub ten million, depending on the cap yeah. going up and all that. And, but it's probably what sub ten million. And if I'm Buddha Baker, I'd probably be looking to go somewhere where I could maybe win a, win a ring before the career's done as well. Yeah. So you're kind of think make as much money as you can in the next two years, and then it's a try and tack on and be like the extra safety or you know be in you know, the, the influence for the younger players kind of thing. So yeah. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I mean, I, I rate Buda Baker highly. I just think there are better safeties. So. The other thing to, to bear in mind is that the, the Cardinals are kind of resetting. Um, mm-hmm. Is he where they really want to put their, their money in just yeah. now? Um, the PFF website had them as the 17th best safety last oh. season. Um, is that really an area that they want to focus on, that they want to put that wee bit extra money in, or is that something that they could be looking at building elsewhere? Um, 
overhear yeah, some of the names in the PFF. It was quite surprising. Of course, I'm going to have to, to start with this one. Number one, Ryan Neal, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, two is Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, yeah. Three, uh, Tyran Matthew from the Saints. Um, four, Cameron Curl from the Commanders. And then five, Rodney McLeod from the Colts. It seems to be, she's mentioned there, these ages are a problem there, but it seems to be this is something where young players are coming in and that's maybe where they're looking to invest in in the future. Maybe take the hit this season, have a... They'll, they'll never say that they're going to like, tank this season, but it looks as if that's what they're going to be doing, just try to get the the draft capital for the next couple of years and build back up again, because their QB still young enough that they can do that. Um, do you think that is something then, Gav, that they will be looking to do? Is, is he a, a priority for them? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of these things you're going to weigh up is the importance of the of the, the safety position. I mean, obviously, money in the NFL always revolves around the quarterback position, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. That's where you, you build your franchise. But then your key players after that, usually the ones that are either protecting your QB or getting after the other team's QB, um, and then all, all your other players, kind of secondary, to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a talent, you want to keep them, but you know, money with the cap's always going to be limited in the NFL. And I think, um, yeah, it, it's difficult, you know, when you look at you know how he stacks up against other players at the position in the NFL, is, is it really worth paying top dollar for someone who probably isn't, you know, at the top of the position and it's not? really one of the high priority positions on the roster. So do you think that um I'll come to you in a wee second, Dan. So do you think that um Baker's experience and leadership is something that could be used in maybe a team that that are hoping to to build something and maybe compete and challenge in the next maybe one or two seasons. I'm thinking possibly something like the maybe the, the Ravens or even the Bears. Who are, seem to be making uh, inroads into building a team that they can hope will challenge whether they will be able to do so? Would this be a, a sensible option for them? I mean, I, I would actually have said uh, if Seattle didn't already have an outstanding safety, I would have said that maybe that would have been an ideal spot because that, that's a team that I'm viewing yeah. as uh, are actually on the, you know, despite the fact we all thought they were going to be rebuilding. And last yeah. year went so much better than anybody expected. And, uh, you know, going by what they've drafted this year, I know people can maybe say that oh, they've taken some positions like running back and stuff a little bit too early in the last couple yeah. of drafts. But, I mean, it's working out for them. Um, yeah. I would have said, you know, maybe somewhere like that. But you're kind of locked up with safety. But, yeah, I mean, I guess looking at the Bears, that's obviously – they were, what, 32nd of the league for defence or something last year? Yeah. I mean, the front – well, basically, all their defence was kind of a giant tire fire, but I would say they need to kind of address the front line of that first. Um, but if they are want to start making inroads, yeah, I think that a baker could go there and maybe he would help change the culture there. But he was meant to do that in Arizona as well. Was can I help build the winning culture and uh, look how that's went? 
I suppose when you've not got really get the buy-in for the, the QB there as well. Um, <laughs> I was say, I've, heard, I've not heard as many stories about Justin Fields uh, sitting on Call of Duty <laughs> rather than going to training kind of thing instead. Justin Fields at least seems to be uh, into training and getting better. So, yeah, it might be a better fit. The Seahawks would have been a good job. I agreed with that, but we've got a good young team that seem to be hungry. And Pete Carroll's building something there. We've also got Quandry Diggs who's shown to be a, a useful safety there as well, along with Ryan Neal. So, aye, that's quite interesting. Dan, what have you got to say? Obviously, I can give you a good gaff about how the priority of for the uh, Falcons, uh, focus, the Cardinals, where he is. But I'm thinking now, is we've, we've said on several occasions, that there's now a passing league. I was accepted that this is now a passing league. So the safety position is becoming a more important position on the defence. So you're going to want someone at the top of their game if you're going to pay them big money. So Budabaker's not at the top of his game to to, master, uh, to combat that passing the, uh, attack from the opposition. So you're going to pay him the big money that like him in Fitzpatrick's getting. Is he, you know I mean, I don't, you're not going to do that because he's not going to give you the same level of production as someone like Fitzpatrick would. Yep, absolutely. Um, Stuart, I'm going to come to you for um, the next item we've got here is JJ Watt. Joins oh no sorry sorry it's Gav Gav from coming yeah, from yeah, JJ yeah. Watt joins CBS as a studio analyst um, JJ Watt of course who had recently is uh, bought into Burnley a football club here in the the UK as well and interesting appointment do you, th- you think he'll give some good colour to his uh, the analyst in the on CBS oh yeah I mean I think JJ Watt's a guy that's done it all. Uh, in, in his career, and obviously we, we know him for his, his defensive talents. But you know, I think just looking back and uh, remember, you know, he actually has three uh, receiving touchdowns to his name as well. Um, as you mentioned, he's investing Burnley, um, huge, um, huge European football fan, um, mm. and uh, I think now, obviously, with the with the, the deal with CBS, uh, I think just going to bring that energy to the, the studio. And I think the one thing that really interests me is. Um, if you think about it, with um, with most um, analysts, not all, but most um, tend to be focused on the offensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, we know um, CBS, the, the big name there, um, certainly in the, the commentary side is, is Tony Romo, um, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the likes of Bimmer Esiason before that. You look at Fox, Troy Aikman, just signed Tom Brady to, to deal as well. Um, so it, it, they like to go after quarterbacks. Uh, all the networks if they can. Um, so getting someone from the, the defensive side of the ball, I think, is, is going to be great just to get that different perspective in the game. I think that brings Fantastic. some balance. Dan, where did, um, you, where did the, the link-up with Burnley come from? Uh, from the story I've read, I can't remember exactly where I read it, but it was, I think it was over to, get a, to take in a game. I'm not sure why, but he ended up drinking with the Burnley fans and basically fell in love with them, decided they were going to invest in their team. And a bit of a... <laughs> But I have a fairy tale story. Um, just to add to what Gav said, I think it's going to be good to see him as a defensive analyst in, in the studios. Because you think about it, Gav, you think about the people there now, Romo, Aikman, they're not up to speed as such with the modern game. Do you know what I mean? So it'll be good to have someone that's literally just came out of the game, given their anal- analysis on what's happening on the field. Um, and I think that'll be good when Brady goes to Fox as well to give the current perspective of how it looks for a quarterback as opposed to someone that's played a good few years ago, so I think he'll be a good addition to, to the analyst crew across all the networks. 
I think that's a really so maybe... interesting point. Sorry um, to, to cut in, Keith. I think um, that that's something we've seen with Romo. Is I think everyone loved him when he first came into league, making the predictions about what would happen next. Um, but even over the course of just a couple of years, it's amazing how quickly that knowledge drips away. So, like you say, Dan, having someone that's just come out of the league coming into the, the studio make a big difference. Um, so maybe you'll be able to remember this, but you're talking about the the guy just coming in with with the match experience recently. Is there a former Viking that's been doing co-coms um, in the past year or so? I can't remember uh, who it is. Um, you're thinking of Greg Olsen? Greg Olsen. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm sitting going like, I think it's a tight end, but I could remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, um, a he's got his, his uh, Tony Ro- uh, Tom Brady's waiting for his seat. Yeah, absolutely. I've been impressed with him. I've enjoyed his um, his commentaries and his uh, breakdowns. Um, who's yeah, some of your favourite? Well, my, my, probably my least favourite one now is Tony Romo, but that's uh, only because Romo kind of picks his favourites. And then they can, where yeah. I find them annoying is he picks his favourites and they can do no wrong and to the point where he'll be talking down the other team that's playing against you know, naming no names, Patrick Mahomes, kind of thing. Like, you know, when anyone's playing the Chiefs, it's like you just, and I get it because Mahomes is absolutely fantastic, but you just absolutely fanboys all over the Chiefs' offense to the point where, you know, let's say they're playing, I don't know, imagine they're playing the Cowboys and, it's, and he used to play for the Cowboys, but he'll just be kind of talking down the defense and it'll always be like, oh, that's not a mistake from Mahomes if he makes a mistake. It's kind of like, oh, he really kind of planned that somehow. And then it's, you know, I don't know, that's, he's my least favorite, but. Um, one of my favourites, and it's actually what we're going to talk about next, um, as part of the the next segment, the SPN layoffs, was uh, was Colbert. Um, I really loved her, like in the, the morning show, and it's kind of gotten that she's been one of the ones that's been caught in that, you know, the axe fallen. And uh, like to me, I kind of see her and go like, "There's there's a woman who's kept like a job, like in a high profile job, in the yeah. NFL world for what the." as long as I've been alive. Like, it's like, I don't know if she'd want people sharing that, but it's like, what, 38, 39 years she's been on TV? Or something like that now. And I wouldn't say she was slowing down any. And, you know, her her analysis was good and she always had good input. So she was one of my favourites, but now she's gone. Yeah, there seems to be a, a massive lift of, uh, of layoffs and there's 15 in, in total. Um, this seems to come from... Disney, who own ESPN, looking for a bit more quality over con- quantity. When we talk about all the the names that that are going from the the list, and I, I'm still getting used to the the different voices and learning about all these different people and the, the analysts that are there and the, mm-hmm. the information they've got. But you would think that the wealth of experience and the contacts that these people have got, it'd be better to keep quite a few of these on. Rather than, well, Dan, maybe you could explain to the reason why Disney are, are, are looking to get rid of a few analysts here. Who is it that's coming on uh, that's, that's taking over? Yeah, apparently this is all Pat McAfee's fault. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, I think everybody is well aware of who Pat McAfee is. But as someone, as we've spoken about, as a massive WWE fan, I've been exposed to a lot of Pat McAfee over the last couple of years. And, and I think he's brilliant. I think he brings an energy and an enthusiasm and his knowledge. Um, of WWE in a short space of time has been phenomenal. Watching his show, he gets all the big guests on his show as well. They all, everybody wants to sit and talk to him. I think it's because of 
his personality and what he does. He's very knowledgeable. So I think ESPN bringing him on board is a great move. And it seems to be they're thinking, like you said, Keith, they want the quality that's maybe going to bring new viewers to them, which is then going to potentially get them more money, which obviously at the end of the day is what matters to these companies. But I think they're trying to bring a new audience in and bring McAfee in is going to bring in a lot of people to their network. And I think it's the afternoon slot he's got as well. So I think I think it's a great move by ESPN to bring McAfee in. I think he'll, he'll be brilliant for them. It's a bit like uh, on Spotify um, when they went for who's the top podcast? Um, it's Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. It's, it's kind of like going for that, isn't it? They're trying to get the just the best in the business that's going to bring a, a fresh, youthful ness um, to the, the the station. And you can see maybe that's why that they've got to do that. Back V show is great. It's 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 good. It's relaxed. It's it's something I would love to force them with this and we'll hopefully get to uh, we're doing just now and what we'll get to continue to do is just like four pals talking about football and that's Keith, what it comes across. Keith, are you saying that uh, we stress you out and it's not relaxed enough for you? Is that what you're insinuating here? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting to grow. Well, I'm not going grey. I'm never going to well, go grey. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's it. This is a joke, but that's, that's what we want. This is what we want to come across. It's just it's, it's pals just talking about a sport that they love and the topics they love and try to get wee different um points of view about it. And hopefully that comes across. And I think we're, we're, we're doing well so far. Doing well so far. Um, but yeah, no, there seems to be a bit of fallout then for the, the ESPN. Um, hopefully these people will get landing spots elsewhere. There's plenty of startup podcasts that they'll be able to do. and um, you'll probably find that the contacts that they've made from within the sport, they'll be able to get their own experiences shared um, in, their, in their own podcast and uh, things like that. No, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Dan, I'll come to you then. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say you... one more thing on that. It's, uh, kind of inter- it's interesting to see, though, just like a, across, I guess, the sports broadcasting world. In North America, like I've kind of been watching it changing a little bit, like even since mm-hmm. I've been here for well, close to a decade now. Um, and uh, just recently as well in Edmonton, TSN 1260, which is a TSN partner with ESPN quite a lot. Uh, the right. whole sports radio station has been shut down, just gone. There's no more sports radio in Edmonton, which is bizarre because when you looked at all the, the kind of radio ratings, uh, mm-hmm. it was it had almost double the daily listenership of any other radio station in the city kind of thing so it's you know tsn's just decided they're going to run one show out of toronto so it's the same thing it's like cost savings and they've decided to just go one kind of route but to me i go well nobody wants to hear about you know edmonton especially it's an nhl market so they have like the, the edmund oilers are a massive team uh, yeah. with a large following uh, like even in the states like there's oilers fan. whenever i go down there you meet people and like oh you live in edmonton yeah and you see guys with oilers jerseys like um but anywho, like basically, you don't need to have the Toronto Maple Leafs getting rammed down your throat all day, every day, kind of thing. It's <laughs> fair enough with the Blue Jays. There's only one Canadian baseball team now, so everybody kind of tends to support them. But Edmonton, yeah, it definitely had enough of a market for that radio station to keep going. But you've now yeah. seen all those all those guys and ladies that were on the the station are now out of jobs. Um, but like you just said with podcasts, a lot of them already had podcasts that they've kind of been starting yeah. up over the last year so i think maybe they've had some advanced warning and Aye, they're writing to the wall there. coming mm-hmm. so it's good that you can still kind of get in touch with them or whatever and hopefully they'll all 
manage to keep going, but it's not like it's really easy for Edmonton sports broadcasters to find another job without moving cities unless they can do yeah. it on their own. It's curious there's not that diversity on the, like, the something as accessible as the radio that you have to I know we can do it very easily, go on and find podcasts that we, we like, but uh, it's, it's curious, but Viva the La Podcast, hopefully yep. it gets people's uh, voices out there, the, the diversity and the way it's expanding in the podcast world, it's, it's, it's great to see, it's, it's hopefully we can add to that and I'm sure we, we will over the next couple of years anyway. Um, next up then on uh, the news, we have Russell Wilson looking to cook again. Dan, I'll come to you for this one. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's, I think we're looking at how Sean Payton going to turn uh, Wilson and obviously the, the Broncos around in general. Um, is, is he going to is he going to turn Wilson back into an elite quarterback? Uh, I just looked just before we came on. I looked at the quarterbacks that Sean Payton's worked with. There's one for you, Gav. When he was offensive coordinator for the Giants, and he's got to Super Bowl in 2000. Who was the quarterback? Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins, yes. So what do we have? We got got the Giants to the, the Super Bowl with Kerry Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the Cowboys? Apparently, he was the one that was responsible for signing Tony Romo for, as an undrafted free agent. And then obviously, we all know what he done at the Saints with Drew Brees. So he has got the reputation of being a, obviously was an ex quarterback himself of mm-hmm. working very well with quarterbacks. My question would be, is Wilson beyond that point now in his career? Um, obviously, we know he had a great career at the Seahawks. Um, and I just looked at his stats. His last four years at the Seahawks, he was averaging 110, 106, 105, 103 a passer rating. Last year with the Broncos, he was 84.4. It's his lowest rating as a quarterback in his whole career. And last season, he also won the least amount of touchdowns he's had in his NFL career with only 16 so I know he's playing with the Broncos and he's not got a lot around about him but is he going to turn around and be back being a quarterback he could be I don't think he's I think he's beyond that I think he's a good serviceable quarterback for him he'll be good for the Broncos and for Peyton but I don't think he's going to get them back to that level where the Broncos what do you think what do you think is uh, Sean Peyton going to be the, the QB whisperer yeah, that's the exact phrase I had in my mind. Um, I, I think Dan's actually kind of touched on it uh, there at the end of his spot. Is what does good look like? Because I, I think um, it's been you know, Russell Wilson, perfectly you know serviceable, great career. That's a big drop off in one season. You've got to say um, after you know quite a strong stretch with the, the Seahawks throughout his career. Um, and uh, I mean, as a Giants fan, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in the, the impact that a good coach can have on a team. Um, obviously, look at what Dabble's done with, um, with Daniel Jones. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if, if he can make Daniel Jones a, a, a playoff winning QB, then uh, I think if we look at what Peyton could do with someone like Russell Wilson, who's already been to multiple Super Bowls, I, I think there's definitely you know, there's definitely room for improvement. Um, but as I say, is that going to take them, you know, to, to ring? Probably not. But, you know, if you're a Broncos fan, you know, just playing a few extra games in January, you probably say that's a win this year. And I definitely say that's possible. It's, it's easy to say when everyone's zero and zero at the moment. Yeah. So, um, with um, Peyton coming in, do you think that he's going to be able to work with Wilson because 
Wilson's maybe coming for his lowest low. He's maybe thinking he's lost his way. This is a great chance for me to work with a, a, a head coach who knows how to win Super Bowls, who knows how to get the best out of the QBs. Do you think he's maybe in a place where he's ready to listen, ready to learn? Because it sounded as if that's not where he was when he was uh, in Seattle. He was the, it had to be done his way, get rid of the people that I don't like. They couldn't chase him out quick enough by the sound of it. Yeah, I mean, I would say I think maybe last year might have been a bit of a kind of, you know, reality check for him, like just in terms of like how it went, because in Seattle, he was the top dog, like for years mm-hmm. when he was there. And I know eventually it seemed like his and Pete Carroll's relationship broke down. Um, but just like, I think with Peyton coming in this year, it's like he's got a, a head coach now that in Denver, at least, that he's going to have to respect. Because, um, I mean, Sean Peyton has done it before multiple times. And I think in other places, maybe not always winning rings every single year. But, like, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of what you think of the New Orleans Saints, like they were always competitive um, and they were always up there. Uh, can he ever be, you know... I know he never won the MVP, but he was usually in the running for it. <laughs> kind of thing most years. Is he ever going to get back to that level? I'm not sure about that, but I do think he's going to bounce back this year and maybe next year as well and provide, you know, more than a serviceable. He could be a top 10 quarterback in the league. The biggest issue for Denver, though, is uh, the division they're in. Because <laughs> all of the teams that are in there with them, the Raiders are wanting to improve, the Chiefs are there, and they're always going to compete whilst they have Mahomes. Um, now, I'm fanboying the way Tony Romo does. Uh, <laughs> and then the Chargers as well. It's like, you know, I think Justin Herbert, like an uninjured Justin Herbert, who's going to be coming into this year fresh, I think he could be doing some damage as well. So uh, I th- I'm hoping that this year's the year that that division is what we thought it was going to be last year. Because remember, everybody was predicting it to be an absolute, like, you know, gunfight basically the whole way through. So... I don't know if the Broncos make the playoffs. I still don't think they've done enough like uh, with the rest of the team yet, but Peyton will definitely steady the ship. And I think Russell Wilson's going to come around and listen. And there's been, you know, he'll have the summer to work on Peyton's playbook. So I think uh, I think good times are on the horizon for Denver, but maybe not the playoffs this year is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, this leads us very, very well into our, our next segment. This is going to be a first of our be focus on different aspects of the game um, that we're going to get a chance to well it's all the off season when it's a wee bit quieter and we're going to have this is called the the crew deep shots so the question that we've got is which backup qb stands the best chance um, of maybe taking over and, and having a successful year we're talking about wilson there dan and um, his um backup there probably the one that's going to make the make him sweat the most would be jared stidham um, Stidham, he played last year with your guys, is that right? No. No. Where was Stidham last season? Uh, Raiders? Raiders, yeah. Raiders, yes. Came in, took over from Car for the last couple yeah. of games. Played yeah, it was quite well. It was still yeah. Rush last yeah. year at the Cowboys, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, he's in a new deal as well. He played against us. <laughs> One of those four games that a five got my multi-year deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Russell Wilson, is Jared Sidham enough to make him worry and really focus in for the, the forthcoming season? Can you see him maybe taking over at some point if uh, Wilson's not following Peyton's ways? I don't think so. I think uh, Sidham, he's all right as a backup quarterback, you know I mean, but I think 
you're going to have to get to desperate stages as a Broncos before you bench Russell Wilson for him as well, I would say. And it would, the amount of money that you're putting into Wilson as well, it's going to take something really, really bad um, for him to, to be benched by Peyton, yeah. you would think. Um, Dan, I sent out earlier on um, the list of the the QBs. How about we, we start with the um, divisions then? We'll go for the AFC East. Yeah. Um, you've got Josh Allen, Tua, to go by, by Loa, Mac Jones and Aaron Rodgers as QB ones, but then look at the backup. So the Bills have got Kyle Allen. Is he any relation? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, thanks. So, uh, Tua has actually got Mike White from who did quite a successful spell um, for the Jets last season. Mac Jones has got Bailey Zappi uh, and Trace McSorley um, chasing down his tail. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers has got the, the young pretender, Zach Wilson. Um, and that's it, really. Tim Boyle, Chris uh, Shriveler doesn't really fill you with much confidence there. But from Kyle Allen, Mike White, Bailey Zappi and Zach Wilson, who do you think's got the best chance out of those four in the AFC East of making that step up? Yeah, I think that you're not going to get any of them benched unless a disaster comes in. Um I mean, I know I think Mike White had to play a couple of games for the Dolphins last year when two went down, but I think Skylar Thompson not played a bit better for the Dolphins when he stepped in last year. I think he was Skylar Thompson played and so did Teddy Bridgewater when yeah. uh, but I think all of them at one point get concussed. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> Teddy died like in the that first game after two I went down. <laughs> so you remember he horribly concussed yeah, and yeah, get him out of the game and then Skylar had to come in. Yeah. yeah. I think um yeah, I don't think any of those guys will be challenging realistically for a starting spot. Um I think you're going to have I need to be an injury tour. Again, we, we don't know how he's going to be this year. Hopefully he's been doing all his jiu-jitsu and judo, whatever it was he was doing to strengthen his neck. <laughs> um and he's going to be fine, but I don't see any of those guys realistically challenging for a starting spot this year. But as you say, though, it, it sounds as if it could well be down to an injury. Mac Jones, I think his issue last season was the was the offensive line, um, not having as much protection as he, he would have wanted. Zappi had actually done quite well when he came in and um, maybe made a, a stake for himself, but you would think Mac Jones... He's got the accuracy, he's got a couple of years' experience now. He should still be able to retain that easily, retain that position. There doesn't seem to be any noises coming out of New England that, that there's going to be any replacements. He seems to be the, the main guy there. Um, let's have a wee look at the AFC West then. Gav, I'll come to you for this one. So we were just talking about Russell Wilson with uh, Jared Stidham. Um, Patrick Mahomes is backed up by Blaine Gabbert, Shane Bouchelle, and Chris Laddukum. Laddukum. Um Jimmy G at the Raiders has got Brian Hoyer, Aidan O'Connell and Chase Garbers backing him up. And Justin Herbert at the Chargers has got Easton Stick and Max Duggan. I love all these names. This is great. Easton one. Stick. I, I've friend. actually got on my notes Easton Stick his name <laughs> purely because what a name. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you think you think Stick could shift him? Is uh, <laughs> hey. a pure, pure well, stick on for success? <laughs> well, I think the the interesting thing just looking at this because I I think we've all had to do a wee bit of uh, a wee bit of homework prepping for this one, but there's a few familiar names in the in the sort of the, the backup QB room for the FC West. Um, and Blaine Gabbert, 
uh, been around for for quite some time uh, in the, the league. Um, and, and Brian Hoyer, of course, as well. You know that he's um, racked up a few teams uh, along the course of his career. Um, I guess probably if you look at the the list of QBs in terms of who's most likely to step in, um, your biggest question mark's got to be in in Oakland. I guess Jimmy G's had his his injury issues uh, in terms of staying healthy. Vegas, <laughs> it's normally me that does that. Like, yeah. I love I love still calling the Chargers the San Diego Chargers as well. That one. <laughs> um, but I, I think obviously in terms of chances for success, um, I mean. You've got to like Blaine Gabbert being able to, to step in uh, with with, Case, uh, with with Kansas City. If something were to happen to to Mahomes, it's certainly not going to be a a major loss of form overnight. But you know, Chase Daniel has done a, a job in in Mahomes' absence in recent years. Um, as he's got the coach, he's obviously a few of the the receivers have, have moved on uh, in KC, but you know they still um, still had a ring last year. Um, so I think Gabbert, he would like his chances if he had to step in. But um, yeah, Mahomes wouldn't be uh, <laughs> wouldn't be letting that happen if he can help it. Is that the hardest like, backup spot in the NFL to take over from Mahomes? Because, or, or is it that the team is just so well drilled? You could put someone in there, maybe a wee bit like that. We'll talk about the 49ers a wee bit later on. But you think the team's just so well, or is it just the magic of Mahomes that makes them such a special team? I think, personally, I think it's that Blaine Gabbert's that he's in a hiding to nothing. Um, it's, a, it's a tough, tough shift that he's got in there. Thanks, Gav. Stu, we'll come to you then for the AFC North, where we have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Wait. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett as the QB1s. Backing up Lamar, you've got Tyler Huntley, Josh Johnson, uh, Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown. Joe Burrow is backed up by Trevor Seaman and Jake Browning. Deshaun Watson has Joshua Dobbs, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Kellen Mond. And Kenny Pickett has Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph and Tanner Morgan. Mason Rudolph, of course, he was your man with the, the helmet smash. Is that right? Aye. Yeah, good man. Yep. Never, never been good the man. same since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. Anyone there? Yeah, I mean, like looking at the, you know, looking at the FC North, like I'd say the Browns have taken the biggest step back in terms of like who their their backup was because I mean, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. because they're now the what Deshaun Watson's going to have like a full summer and actually be allowed yep. to train with the team and stuff. So they would assume that. Working out the end of the rust or whatever out at the, the end of last year has probably done enough for him. So they, they're all in on Deshaun now. So that's why Brissett was let go, and we'll get to him later on in this chat. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say, like, honestly, the Steelers, like, uh, if you look at like who they have, it's like, well, Kenny Pickett. Um, I'm not saying that he's not going to succeed this year, but who knows? Maybe Mitch Trubisky. I mean, they named him captain at one point last year. So, you know, he's, he's showing he can do it in sports, like here or there on bad teams in Chicago. Um, so maybe he can step in. And then Mason, he's been there before, knows the training staff well and everything, knows the playbook. So Mason's another guy that could also step in. So I would say in terms of overall depth, the Steelers yeah. probably actually have the, the best room despite having, the you know, best overall room despite not maybe having the best overall quarterbacks because obviously Lamar, Joe Burrow and Deshaun are probably your three that you would say are 
you know the outstanding guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of fancy uh, Mitch or Mason to be able to step in there should anything go horribly wrong with Kenny. Yeah, yeah, I'd give you that. AFC South and Dan. Um, the Texans, you've got CJ Stroud. Um, Pencil Dan is the, the starter there. Gardner Minshew for the Colts. Hey. Uh, Trevor Lawrence for the Jags and Ryan Tannehill for the Titans. That's your QB1. So Stroud is backed up by Davis Mills, which... According to Davis Mills, that might be the opposite way around. And Chase Keenan. Um, the coach, you've got Anthony Richardson, breathing down Gardner Minshew's neck, and Sam Ellinger, who had a, a few games last season. Sam the Slinger. Jags... <laughs> Sam Slinger. <laughs> uh, Jags have got Trevor Lawrence, you've got CJ Beathard and Nathan Rourke. And then Ryan Tannehill has Malik Willis, who... Did not kind of fail to impress last season, but mm-hmm. they also invested in the second round in Will Levis, who might be a, might be a shrewd signing for them. What do you think they're done? I think you've automatically you got two quarterbacks are not going to finish the season. I think Richardson, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to start. I know obviously they get the depth of chat, but I think Richardson will be the quarterback of the Colts by the end of the season. I think he, looking at draft day, is the most NFL ready quarterback, I think, out there. Um, so I think he'll be in at the Colts before we know it. Um, <laughs> I'm saying I'm a, I'm a gardener truther. So. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I, I think he's uh, yeah. I just I think as soon as it starts going wrong, that's where they're going to change it. Do you know I mean um, Titans? I don't know. It's interesting one of the Titans. I mean, also Malik Wallace was a, a high pick for them and, and never really worked out. Is mm-hmm. he going to be number two? Or is, are they going to take a chance on more Levis if it starts going wrong? Um, and I do think CJ Stroud will start the Texans. You're not going to draft someone that high up and not have him as your number one yeah. quarterback. Um, so I think Trevor Lawrence, I think he's safe. I think unless he gets injured, I think he's the safest seat in that division. Uh, but yeah, I'd expect Richardson to finish the season as a coach quarterback and a potentially will level stepping in at, at the Titans. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there, Dan. I mean, I think the, um, obviously Colts, you know, they've said exactly where their future lies, you know, draft Richardson uh, as they did. But uh, I think the, the Titans is an interesting one. You know, you've got two quarterbacks on the bench at the moment have been drafted in back-to-back years that obviously Tannehill has been serviceable for uh, many years now. But yeah, they, that's a, a team that's aware that something's likely to change in the near future. Yeah, the one one thing I would say on Tannehill as well, though, just you know, on the Willis point was um, people have been kind of a little bit down on Tannehill, I guess, like over the, the last few years. But I think last year uh, kind of illustrated quite perfectly that Tannehill was actually a pretty good quarterback yeah. because yeah. when he was out, the Titans fell apart. When he was there, they challenged to make the playoffs. Like even with a team that was crippled by injuries and things and like you know they had a, a bad O line even Derek Henry was getting stuffed in some games and mm-hmm. um like with Tannehill it's like he showed he could still do it whereas Willis and yeah he's a rookie and that, that's sometimes gonna happen with rookies they look a little bit adrift and kind of lost at sea so I, I hope for the Titans kind of competitive sake uh, or for the competitiveness of that division um I'm hoping that Tannehill stays healthy this year and both Willis and Levis could probably learn quite a lot from them. Um, I do think Levis probably has a higher ceiling 
than Willis though and uh, he's definitely going to win out in the long term but um, I think for his career development it would almost be a good idea to have Tannehill as a number one for the next two years and then have Will Levis sitting behind him coming in and taking snaps where he can kind of thing and that's the way I would run it but yeah bit of respect for bit of respect for Tannehill I I don't think he's one that's going to go lightly as well I think he is going to fight for his his position he's going to try and hold on to that as long as he can Um. Gav, come to you then for the NFC East, over to the NFC now, and we have Dak Prescott at the Cowboys, your man Daniel Jones at the Giants, uh, Jalen Hurts at the Eagles, and Sam Howell at the Commanders, or was it Washington football team again? Mm-hmm. They dropped the Commanders, is that right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Commanders for now. For, for now, yeah. They're, for now. they're revising that again, I think. Um, in the Cowboys, you've got back up with Cooper Rush, talking about earlier and Will Greer the Giants have got Tyrod Taylor and Tommy DeVito uh, Jalen Hurts has Marcus Mariota, that's good that he, he managed to get somewhere, Ian Book and Tanner McKee um, he sounds like a golfer for Happy Gilmore then. <laughs> um, uh, and the Commanders have got Jacoby Brissett who Stu and I are big fans of and Jake From with uh, Tim DeMorat there just making up the numbers what do you think uh, in the NFC East then, Gav? Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, I'd mentioned this for the, the FC West, but actually, if you look at the NFC East backup QB room, um, all of these uh, all of these are recognisable names now. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cooper Rush last year, 5-0 and um, in Dak Prescott's absence. Tyrod Taylor, uh, the Giants, you've got a, a guy that's got 58, NFL starts, playoff win uh, to, to his name as well. Um, Mariota, obviously, long-time starter with the uh, the Titans before moving through through Oakland. Uh, and then Jacoby Brissett. Um, so, again, all, all, I guess, players that are capable of, of stepping in. Uh, I think, you know, talking about my guys in the Giants, um, Taylor's had to step in. I think maybe not quite where he, he once was. Um, but um, again, you know, with the, the coaching situation in New York um, and the fact they're starting to add a little more talent to the um, the, the wide receiver group, you know, I, I'd like to think that Taylor could keep us afloat. In terms of most likely to step in, though, I mean, I, I'm still looking at Sam Howell, uh, his situation in Washington. You know, that this is a guy who's started one game so far um, yep. And um, yeah, really small sample size. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, 11 of 19 in his career, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Um, we have very little to go on with this guy so far. Jacoby Brissett, experienced backup QB, and you know that's going to be a, a tough division. So I think if anyone's stepping in that division, I'm looking at Jacoby. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you there. Still, we're going to power on a wee bit here. I'm going to come to you now for the NFC West. Um, for the the Cardinals, we've got Kyler Murray. The LA Rams, you've got Matt Stafford. Brock Purdy's in for the 49ers if he's uh, he's fit and ready to go for the start of the season. And of course, you've got Geno Smith at the Seattle Seahawks. Backing up, Kyler, you've got Colt McCoy, Clayton Tune. And David Bluff. Uh, Matthew Stafford, backed up by Brett Ripien. Great name. Stetson Bennett and Stetson, Dresser yeah. Winfrey. 
some fantastic names. Brooke Purdy is backed by Sam Darnold, who is in the news this week saying that he sees himself as a QB1, um, which is it's interesting that he's laying down the, the gauntlet there to Brooke Purdy and Trey Lance, um, who's back up there at the 49ers just now. Gino's backed up, of course, by Drew Locke and Holton Ahiers. Allers, Allers, Allers. I don't even know about that guy yet. Um, who do you see there possibly making the breakthrough in the NFC West then, Stu? Well, I mean, the obvious one is uh, Colt, Colt McCoy's starting the year because Skylar Murray's injured. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he's going to be coming back for his surgery. But, um, so really, it's Colt McCoy back, backed up by Clayton Tune, I guess, as it is right now. But um, yeah, looking at the rest of them, though, You've got to think that uh, as much as I love uh, Big Cock Brock and we're fans of him on the show, that's a pretty strong kind of room that uh, San Francisco's kind of got themselves there. Like Sam Darnold, and you know, I, I've never been the biggest fan of him, but he's definitely a solid, solid backup like to be able to throw in there. Trey Lance, we don't know much about yet. Um, he was starting to look better. Last year was meant to be the year, but then he obviously went down injured immediately, so missed out in the season. But with that San Francisco system, they seem to be able to just kind of keep throwing guys in, and they were okay for the first three quarterbacks, and then it was when they hit quarterback number four was when they ran into trouble. But I think they're probably hoping that this year they should do fine. But Yeah, in that division, though, I would say Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, that they could maybe come in after Purdy and do a job. Um, yeah. And then Drew Locke, he's another guy that, like, on paper, Drew Locke was a, he was a decent enough quarterback in Bron- you know, in yeah. a bad Broncos team. Um, so he he could maybe do okay if he came in for Gino, but you're obviously going to hope Gino stays healthy. But Yeah. Uh, yeah really I know. Gino took his chance last year, didn't he? Yeah. The Rams, just to quickly speak about them, I you need to hope if you're the Rams that Stafford is actually healthy and ready to go this year and the shoulder hasn't fallen apart because uh, looking at that one, Rippey and I'm not too convinced about Stetson Bennett. He was just drafted this year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because he was one of the names everybody was loving kind of thing. So (laughs) I'm going to just put it out. There's a wild card that based on name alone, that if uh, Stafford goes down, that Stetson Bennett is the quarterback for the Uh, Rams. By the end of the season, he'll be the the starting QB and a legend will be born. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just his hat on Stetson Bennett there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Before we move on just on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've stole my thunder because I, I had to text Gav before the, the show and I said, I've got a left field one for you. And Stetson Bennett was my pick for who I think would step in if there was an injury. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think I picked him as well. But just go quickly go back to the 49ers. Uh, Purdy's not going to be fit to start the season, so they're still deciding whether it's going to be Darnold off Trey Lance that starts as number one QB. Yeah. What is yeah. interesting is if, if Darnold starts, Lance is also going to be QB number two until Purdy's fit. Where does Purdy then come, does he go straight back in as number one, does he become number two, or is he suddenly number three? I think that's going to be an interesting story to see how that one plays out, but uh, mm-hmm. all about the, the Stetson Bennett bus here. Uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, the, the 49ers, I, I mean, even just looking at the league as a whole, it's probably the best situation for a, a backup QB to, to come into. I mean, if you look at that team, you know, it's, you wouldn't even say that they know who their QB one is, but they've got three. They've got three guys there who, who could be. Um, yeah. But Sam Darnold, that, that's a guy that's never been in a good situation in his career. Yeah. He's moved around a few teams, but I mean, you know, the Jets, the Panthers, you know, teams that have you know struggled for years and years, uh, and now actually he finds himself in a, a QB room in, in San Francisco. So. 
yeah, I mean, you would definitely like him if he's the, the guy to, to come in on day one. I just maybe to say as well, Colt McCoy, 14 years in the league now, that's um, it's a good run for the, for the guy. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much you could do with Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, I'll come to you then for the NFC North. Um, the Bears have got Justin Fields. Um, the Lions have got Jared Goff. Packers are starting with Jordan Love. And the Vikes have Kirk Cousins, uh, Big Daddy Cool there himself. So the Bears, uh, fueled backed up by PJ Walker, Nathan Peterman, and Tyson uh, Bagent. And the Lions, Jared Goff is backed up by Nate Sudfeld, uh, Hendon Hooker, and Adrian Martinez. Um, Jordan Love is backed up by Sean Clifford and Danny Ethling. And Kip Cousins is backed by Nick Mullins and Jared Hall. Do you see any of them staking a claim then for the forthcoming season? Just looking back through the leagues at divisions here, that's a horrendous division for backup quarterbacks. You would not yes. want any of them to step, to step in for your team, to be honest with you. Either. That is that is worrying if any of those players go down. Um, yeah, I don't think... We know Nick Mullins has been around. He was at the 49ers he was at, and he got a few games at the 49ers, didn't he? Um, Nathan Peterman's been floating about the league as well um, yeah I would have as a fan of any of those teams I would not be confident if a number one QB got injured I think you would probably see if one of them went down somebody after the agent getting picked up to cover I don't think you're going to get any of these guys stepping in Hendon Hooker I think could be a good quarterback coming out of college but I don't think he's, he's ready to be that level but he was, he was decent enough at college but I don't think he's going to give you that step up so I think Anybody in that league gets injured, I can see a free agent getting picked up to cover, not any of these guys. Yeah. Um, Hooker started the Virginia Tech Hokies and then went on to the Tennessee Volunteers. So I'll be interested to see. He might be, like you say, he might be the, the one who's, who's slotted in to, to take over if Goff, who's been doing great for the Lions, um, if he was to, to go down. NFC South then, Gav, we'll finish off with yourself. Desmond Ridder at the Falcons, Bryce Young at the Panthers, uh, Derek Carr at the Saints, and Baker Mayfield at the, the Buccaneers. That's, that's just weird that he's taking over for the great Tom Brady. Um, Falcons backed up, uh, Ridder's backed up by Taylor Heineke, uh, Logan Woodside and Felipe Franks, fantastic. Um, Panthers Bryce Young's backed up by Andy Dalton and Matt Corral. Derek Carr at the Saints, backed up by Jameis uh, Winston. Jameis. Jameis. <laughs> right. Jameis Winston, uh, Jake Hayner and Taysen Hill. And Baker Mayfield is backed up by Kyle Trask and John Wolford. Who do you think is going to step yeah. right up? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the NFC South is a really interesting division because you've got three teams have got a new QB1 going into mm-hmm. the season here. Uh, obviously, Bryce Young, uh, number one pick in the draft. Derek Carr, uh, acquired from the Raiders. Uh, and Baker Mayfield uh, has obviously moved on as well. So, so Desmond Ridley with the, the Falcons is the only one that's actually um, with the same team that he was was at last year but even then only four nfl starts you know did mm-hmm. okay for a rookie two yeah. two two records um but yeah i mean there's a lot of question marks uh i guess with with any of these teams um i guess in terms of who is most capable to come in 
it's probably a toss-up between the, the, the Panthers and the, the Saints. I mean, Jameis uh, Winston's done it before for the Saints. Um, and, of course, uh, and Andy Dalton, um, long-time QB1 in, in the league, um, yep. mainly with the Bengals, but also you know, has, has had to come in in, in Dallas. Um, and I guess Bryce Young, you know, you'd expect, you know, number one draft pick, he's going to be your, your day one starter, but these things don't always go to plan. Um, so yeah, it, it's probably a, probably a toss up between those two, um, would maybe fancy Jameis Winston to have more success given that the team around him, uh, if he comes in, but I think, yeah, either of these two definitely capable backups. Yeah. Yes. I still feel like uh, Taysom Hill is cheating as well. Somewhat. I, I hate <laughs> Taysom Hill in fantasy. <laughs> Just for the fact that like people are going to play him as quarterback or tight end or whatever, and then he gets rushing touchdowns. Like it's like <laughs> he's playing everywhere. But um yeah, I would agree with you on that. that like I, I think uh, for me I look at it and go like Andy Dalton. I mean he's he was the guy that this week said he was a, a QB one and probably should be thought of as a QB one. And sure, yeah, Bryce Young's great, but if I'm the Panthers, if there's any sign that Bryce Young maybe isn't picking it up quick enough in training camp, then it's kinda easy to flip to you know, after a couple of games or even like in the preseason if it looks like yeah, Bryce Young's not ready. Um, why risk destroying his confidence by having him getting absolutely mauled in the NFL? Just let him sit for a bit and let Andy Dalton be the one that's smacked around. Yeah. What do we think we had me, Matt Corral? We only drafted him last year. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, a, a... I'm a guy that invested in Matt Corral, uh, not in the draft, but I grabbed him off free agency in our Dynasty League uh, last year, you know, when we first started out. Post draft, mm-hmm. when we'd made our teams, I grabbed Matt Corral and stuck him in my taxi squad because I thought, ah, he's going to be the guy there. Eventually, <laughs> I, was, I was a big believer in Matt Corral after his college career, so uh, I, I was kind of sad to see them getting Bryce Young <laughs> because I thought, well, I'll still hold on to him. But <laughs> I know that ah. the, the injury last year was, uh, you know, that was the thing was that I think that if he hadn't got injured preseason, there may have been a chance that he got into games last year and then, you know, maybe he would have done more. But we'll see now. I mean, maybe he'll still eke out a career, but I, ah. I think he's, his ship might have sailed. And that's the issue in the NFL. That's all it takes is one little injury and then you're gone and a new guy comes in and takes your spot. <laughs> There we go. That's the crew's point of view on that. If you have uh, a different thoughts on it, if you think there's someone else destined to 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 do the Matt Saracen and take the step up and lead the team to victory, then get in touch. Let's uh, hear what you've you've got to say. Um, we are going to now move on to uh, Dan's third and top ten. Um, I've actually got the the top ten this week. So, guys, we're going to quick fire through these top tens and the the theme continuing on with our, our quarterback chat is who has the most interceptions of uh, NFL quarterbacks. Now, to make it a wee bit more easier for us, a wee bit more relevant, I've done it from 1980 onwards. So these are should be all names that we've, we recognise, we're, we're aware of. I've taken a wee note of them. There's one or two that I wasn't quite sure of, but a relative newcomer to the, the game uh, for the past couple of years then plenty of these names that I would get and you guys should be able to get them as well so let's see Gav I'll start with you um, Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, gunslinger uh, Brett Favre Brett Favre is actually at the very top ding 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 
336 interceptions in 302 games. Um, aye, number number one in our list then. Stu? I'm going to go Joe Namath. Uh, Joe Namath is not a Namath that I have on oh, the list here. Great bundle. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, who are you going for? I don't like being this side of this seat. I don't like this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go based on the amount of passes and the amount of yards that he threw in his career. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is number four on our list with 251 interceptions. Um, he had... That in 266 games. Um, back to you, Gav. I will keep it in the family. Uh, again, long, long career, um, but again, a bit of a gun, gunslinger. I'm going to go with Eli. Manning. Eli, two, absolutely. <laughs> at number five there. Two, 236 games, 244 interceptions for Eli. Stu? Philip Rivers, as many interceptions as he has children. <laughs> Rivers, you're 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 striking out again, my friend. Oh my uh, goodness! <laughs> he had a long career. He was clearly Rivers. clearly better than uh, I mean, he was a good quarterback, but uh, you know, he obviously was even better than I remember him being. <laughs> Rivers had two hundred and nine interceptions. He's joint twenty fifth in the overall yeah. um, list that I've got here, but he didn't make it into our top ten. I can't believe that. <laughs> Go for it, Dan. Uh, between two here I'm going to go still active Matt Stafford Matt Stafford no no Stafford Ooh. is not there I'm checking to see the, the overall list he is at the very end joint 49th wow. with 169 um, interceptions but no no. I will do one more round each then so Gav your final guess oh for the hat trick <laughs> I'm going to try Ryan Fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzmagic is not in the list he's not making our top oh. 10 from 1980 onwards I'm going to see if he's on there he's actually joint with Matt Stafford with 169 <laughs> um, come on Stu take me to get some points on the board here okay there's a few I'm thinking of but I'm going to go for a big name and just hope that I'm correct I'm choosing between two, a dolphin and a cowboy. Um, okay, I'm going to go with the dolphin, Dan Marino. Dan Marino, great shout. He's in at number three with 252 interceptions and nice. 242 <laughs> games. Saved my, my, my blushes there a bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Dan, finish it off then. Uh, I think we'll let it go back or we'll let it stay reasonably current that's, that's the decision to make um, <laughs> I've realised the 80s was probably a good idea I was trying to go too current <laughs> I'm going to go I was completely forgot his name hey, Joe Montana Joe Montana of all the names that you could have had from back then Joe Montana does not make our top 10 let me see where is uh, the mountain man himself Joe Montana I'll find him in the the list, but it didn't make our top ten. ten. I'll run through them. So number one we had was Brett Favre with three hundred and thirty-six. Number two was Vin- Vinny Testaverde 
267. Three, Dan Marino, we've got Peyton Manning at four, Eli Manning at five. Drew Brees. Oh, Drew Brees. Ah. <laughs> Drew Brees at six, 243. <laughs> yeah. uh, Warren Moon, who I'm not familiar with, uh, Warren, number seven. Hey, Warren Moon. Seahawk. Warren Moon was uh, also a CFL legend. Warren Moon, like he's one of the few guys to win both, or, or you know, to play in both the NFL and the CFL. I think he won uh, multiple Grey Cups. Oh, fantastic! There you go. That's my homework for the week. Find out a bit more about Big Warren Moon. Uh, John Elway. Um, John Elway. Yeah. Two hundred twenty-six. Tom Patrick Brady. I thought That's what I was thinking. But I thought. Uh, surely he's not on the list, but there you go. And Big Bad Ben, Roethlisberger with 211. Uh, I missed a chance to have a go at the yeah. Steelers. I can't believe it. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who was it we were missing there? I'm just looking down the list. Montana. To see that... No, Montana didn't make the top 50, it seems. Wow. wow. <laughs> Shows you how good he was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's not in the top 50. So right. actually showed you the cowboy I was thinking it. of was Troy Aikman, but I don't know where he would have been on the. I don't know if he was on the list anywhere, but I mean, he don't I've need to. the list. Uh, Dak Prescott must be getting near the top 10 the amount of interceptions he's done. <laughs> 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 um, fantastic, guys. And over to then yourself, Stu, for the statistic of the week, please. Okay, so staying on the quarterback theme, uh, my statistic of the week was. And I like this because it's a matching number. The year that had the most quarterbacks, uh, play, you know, starts for or quarterbacks played for teams in the league was 1987, and there were 87 different quarterbacks started. Oh, wow. And the reason for that was there was a, a player strike that year, and they actually lost a week of the season as well. So even with the lost week, so they ended up with a 15 week season instead. Um, they ended up with 87 different quarterbacks starting. And the other thing I like about this is it ties into the the only team that didn't have any scabs or uh, picket line breakers <laughs> at all. So there was only one team in the league that never had anybody break the strike, and Ooh. they won the Super Bowl that year. Can you any of you remember who it is? 87. Um, they beat the Broncos in the final. Nah. Oh, you know, they abs- absolutely stuffed them. <laughs> I mean, I was three, but it's a team we oh, mentioned earlier on. 49ers. No, this wasn't uh, wasn't Montana with the 49ers because he won it uh, two years later again against the Bengals. Yes. But uh, it was the Washington mm. football team or Redskins as they were back then kind of thing. But the the wow. Washington team, they were the only team in the entire league that didn't have uh, anyone cross the picket line, which I thought was kind of impressive considering they then went on to win the Super Bowl uh, despite Fantastic. having to play with replacement players. So. Good for the outstanding for actually striking and no getting paid, but then winning winning a ring. See, see, socialism wins out. Yeah, socialism. <laughs> <laughs> they should be the Washington so- socialists. <laughs> <laughs> Washington <laughs> Marxists. <laughs> Fantastic! That was outstanding, Stu. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. It's a great fact. We'll make sure we share that on our Twitter feed as well, gentlemen. Uh, I we thought we were going to struggle with it tonight. One hour, 15 minutes, exactly. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, we've blasted through the news. We've got a, a new wee feature there that worked really well, so we'll continue that on next week. Gav, thanks very much for joining us, buddy. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, guys. 
Uh, Dan, really enjoyed that, mate. We'll get your top 10 next week if you're on or uh, whenever you're back on next. Yeah, pleasure as always. I didn't like being in the hot seat. Uh, I'd like my future back, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Stu, fantastic as always, my friend. Uh, cheers for having me on again. It's always always fun and it was good to be back. And it was nice to meet you as well, Gav, because this is the, the first time we've been on together. Absolutely. Likewise, Stu. Bring, bring people together. That's what we like to do in the crew. Um, thanks very much for listening. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a comment wherever you get your podcast feed from. You can follow us on Twitter um, while it's still there, at Grid Iron Crew. That's at Grid, G-R-I-D-I-R-N, and C-R-U for the, the full handle there. Find us on Instagram as well, Grid Iron Crew um, on there. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you if you've got any questions for the crew, any suggestions for our kickoff question or our, our deep shot, then get in touch. And we'll be back next week with uh, more um, views on the week's news and we will help you get through. I think we're down to 55 days till the season starts, gentlemen. Looking forward to it already. Thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>